What's happening, Starship Captains? Welcome to Star Wars in 10. So how's everyone doing this Thursday? We hope everything is going good on your side of the galaxy. Same old thing out here on the Outer Rim. And when there's nothing to report, it means we can get to the meat and potatoes of the show. And how do we do that? By dropping the intro. What well you have? You are now tuned in to a Star Wars show, so just sit back and be ready to flow. Clear your mind of what you know, and let the force be the course of where we go. As we take this journey far, far away, now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. This time, however, she wasn't certain what the outcome would be. She had killed a Jedi on Doan, but this encounter would be far more dangerous. The lingering remnants of the Sith spell had been enough to thwart her efforts to peer into the past. How much stronger would the creator of that spell be in person? And who had cast the spell? The Sith Lord? Or the young woman with him? She still intended to take the job, of course. But she was smart enough to understand that her odds of success would increase if she wasn't acting alone. This man is powerful, the Huntress admitted. I don't know if I would be able to kill him without help. I don't want you to kill him, the princess replied. I want you to capture him. I want you to bring him to me alive. The assassin's lips twisted up in an angry sneer. I'm not a bounty hunter. I'll pay ten times your normal price and I'll hire mercenaries to help you. As many as you want. Even if we capture him, how are we supposed to keep him prisoner while we bring him back to you? Normal restraints can't hold someone who has the power to call upon the Force. Leave that to me, the princess replied, pushing past the Iktochi and heading toward the small hut on the other side of the camp. Curious, the assassin followed her. Only a few meters on either side, the hut was little more than a crate with a doorway. On the floor inside, buried under a layer of sand that had blown in from the encroaching desert, were a tattered old curtain and a threadbare rug. The curtain looked as if it had been torn down. The rug, on the other hand, was still spread out across the far corner of the hut, though its fibers were caked with dirt. With the Iktochi watching from just outside the doorway, the princess pulled the carpet aside, revealing a trap door built into the floor. A small ladder led down to a tiny chamber below. My father built this cellar to store the tools of his trade, Sarah explained, climbing carefully down the ladder. The huntress entered the hut to get a better view, approaching the trap door and peering down into the darkness below. She heard a sharp crack as the princess ignited a glow lamp to dispel the gloom. From her vantage point, the assassin could just make out a series of shelves built into the cellar walls each lined with jars, satchels, and other small containers. The princess rummaged through them quickly until she found what she was looking for, a nondescript bottle of a pale yellow liquid that she tucked into the folds of her clothes before making her way back up the ladder. Do you know what Senflax is? She asked when she was back above ground. The assassin only shrugged in response. It's a neurotoxin, extracted from a rare plant found only in the jungles of Cadania. What use could a healer have for poisons? She wanted to know. It's not really a poison. Senflax is more like a sedative, one that allows the patient to stay conscious while numbing all pain and sensation. It disrupts the nerves of the primary muscles, paralyzing them, but it won't cause the heart, lungs, or other vital organs to shut down no matter how large the dose. Even a paralyzed Sith Lord can kill with his mind, the Huntress warned. 
Sand flax also clouds the mind. It makes it impossible for the patient to focus or collect his thoughts. It takes away any semblance of free will. He can give simple answers to direct questions, but otherwise he is completely helpless. I saw my father give it to a pilot who had been badly burned in a chemical explosion. She continued, her eyes growing distant as she slipped back into the memories of her youth. His friends brought him here, but by the time they arrived, he'd been driven mad with pain. The Senflax took the pain away, while leaving the pilot still able to answer questions about what chemicals he'd been transporting, so that my father would best know how to treat him. You're certain the neurotoxin will still work after all this time? The Huntress was aware that most people would have inquired about the fate of the injured pilot, but she wasn't most people. The only thing she cared about was the job she still wasn't sure she was going to accept. It should be fine as long as the bottle was sealed, Sarah confirmed. Once we get back to my ship, I can test it for potency. Do you know how to prepare it properly? The assassin demanded. How to administer it? How quickly it takes effect and how long it will last? I am my father's daughter, the princess proudly declared. He taught me everything he knew about healing and medicine. What would he say if he knew you were using his knowledge to seek revenge for his death? The huntress silently wondered. I can show you how to use the Sandflax to keep the prisoner under your control, Sarah continued. So will you take the job? The Iktochi took her time before answering. It wasn't the money that intrigued her. It was the challenge. The knowledge that she would be pitting herself against a foe more powerful than any she had faced before. She couldn't see the outcome of the mission. Too many conflicting forces were at work for the future to be clear. Yet she sensed that this was the moment she had been training for her entire life. I'd need at least ten well-trained warriors under my command, she said, speaking slowly. I'll give you twenty. Then we have a deal, the Iktochi replied, her faint smile making the dark lines tattooed on her lower lip curl up like an animal baring its fangs. Now, I think this would be a perfect time to get to our sponsor for today's episode. Have you had any type of ailment lately that has caused you some discomfort? Then you need to try some Tauntaun. It is guaranteed to get rid of anything you might have come down with, from muscle aches to fever. It will cure it all. Just ask your doctor to prescribe you the best medicine in the whole galaxy. Tauntaun tonic may cause uncontrollable diarrhea, blindness, hibernation, sickness, and most likely death. Use at your own risk. The return trip from Prakath to Seutric 4 was taking even longer than the original journey. It should have been quicker, of course. Bane had already plotted the hyperspace routes that would lead him back out of the deep core. But in the hours he had spent on the volcanic world acquiring the holocron from Mendedu's followers, several of the lanes he had used for the inbound flight had shifted and become unstable. Two had already collapsed, forcing him to recalculate his journey. Statistically, the chances of this happening in such a short time span were astronomically small. However, statistics often fell by the wayside when events were influenced by the Force. There were too many accounts of those who had come into possession of powerful Sith artifacts falling victim to grim misfortune to dismiss the tales as mere coincidence. Many believed the talismans of the Dark Side carried a curse. Others claimed they were somehow alive, as if the inanimate materials used to make a ring, amulet, or holocron could somehow achieve sentience. 
those ignorant enough to believe in such superstition might have claimed that Andedu's holocron was fighting Bane. They would have declared the collapsing hyperspace roots were evidence of Andedu's vengeful spirit trapped within the Crystal Pyramid, seeking to destroy the thief who had defiled his sacred temple. Bane knew there was no inherent malevolence in the holocron. It was merely a tool, a repository of knowledge. Yet he also understood how far-reaching the effects of the Force could be. A storm of violence swirled around items imbued with the magic of the ancient Sith. The strong could ride the storm to even greater heights. The weak would be swept up in its wake and destroyed. Andedu's holocron was a talisman of undeniable power. Bane could feel the waves of dark side energy radiating from it. Okay, I kind of like this part. It started off with the hunters agreeing to go after and capture Bane, which will be the hardest thing that she has ever done. And she doesn't know how it will turn out. But Sarah does agree to give her whatever she needs. Then it jumps to Bane returning from practice, and it was harder than the trip there. He had charted the course on his way to the planet, but shifting hyperspace lanes was making it very difficult to get back. But he had Darth and Dedo's holocron, and that's all that matters. Not the best part, but enough to keep you intrigued. And that's where it all came to an end. Tune in tomorrow for the next part. We hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Star Wars in 10. Tune in next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on all major podcast directories. If you enjoyed the show, we would really appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Star Wars in 10 was created by Kenai Shed and is distributed by Swaycast Network. This show was produced by Pigfield Media, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Leslie Schneider. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.